Welcome to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined by Jason Brooks, as always. And we're pleased to have on the line with us today, Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, inviting me. I usually don't do a lot of podcasts outside of the PW Insider brand and stuff, since obviously that's my bread and butter. But you guys kind of wrote me like a really nice professional note. And I said, all right, let's do it. So and, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for coming on. Wow, my pleasure. So what, what can I do for you guys today? Uh, well, let's start with... Um... Monday Night Roar was not a great show, but they furthered along a couple of storylines. Right off the top, what, what was your thoughts? Do you think that uh, Evolution, Evolution versus Shield should uh, headline this pay-per-view in a couple of weeks? Or Daniel Bryan, your new champion, should be the, the main attraction for his first uh, pay-per-view as champion? I guess we could start there. Well, you know, when you pull up my heartstrings, I want to say Daniel Bryan. Because I think, like everybody else, I want to see him uh, succeed and, and, and do well. But I, I think the idea of Daniel Bryan versus Kane and the argument that that match is a bigger attraction than Evolution versus The Shield, uh, I, I don't think it's a very good argument. So I, I think the best thing to do is kind of say it's a double main event and put one on in the middle of the show, put one on at the end of the show. Um, they can even do the thing where, you know, Daniel Bryan comes back and is so mad for being hurt and he. He just storms the ring, comes out, and says, I don't want to wait. I want to fight Keen right now. Where they get into a fight in the back, and they make their way to the front, into the, the ring. You know, there's lots of ways around that, and they're still be a an event, but not uh, being in the final position. But, uh, you know, I, I think Shield and Evolution, you've got a very unique sort of collection of personalities there. And, you know, kind of playing similar to what the Shield did at WrestleMania, you've got old guard against the new guard. And as long as the, the goal there is to make the new guard stronger and have the shield arm raised for the NBA and make them bigger stars, then I don't think anybody should be upset about that. Mike, my question is about Kane and Daniel Bryan, specifically Kane. Over the last several weeks, months, years, um, they've really kind of devalued his character and his gimmick, you know, corporate Kane, and he loses all these matches. He basically was in a squash match with the shield at WrestleMania, and they haven't done much. I, I, I disagree. Okay. I think, I think here, here, let me flip it around, okay? Corporate came, they broke down the character, they took him out of his element, but he's been there since 1995. Possibly even a little bit, maybe late 94, early 95, in different personalities. So we're talking 20-something years, right? What better way to have him around and, and extend the longevity of his run than to take him out of having a crazy physical role every week? So I don't, I don't mind the corporate thing as much as you do. And I think just like the one angle on Raw kind of shifted all the focus back on, all right, now the monster's back. You know, the, when the mask comes on, that's when the badass shows up. And this is the guy everyone has to worry about. So I, I, don't, I don't really have an issue with any of that. I mean, I don't mind the corporate cane. I actually like where they went with a lot of it. But I guess my feeling is they've done this cane versus Daniel Bryan quite a few times. And now they're trying to build Kane up again. Do you look at him as a credible contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's Kane. He's been around forever. You know, it's like it's like saying Mark. You know, it'd be like kind of saying like the Mark Henry or the Undertaker is incredible. They've been around forever. They they they've had championships and stuff. So why wouldn't they um, be? Uh, why wouldn't he be considered credible? I think it's just a way 
to bridge Brian between winning the championship and then whatever his first major storyline is going to be. Because let's face it, the natural thing to do is to go back to Triple H against Brian, but they're using Triple H as part of evolution with the Shield. So what else do they have? They don't have a CM Punk right now to kind of bridge the gap. They don't have anybody sort of, you know, ready. And you're not going to put Daniel Bryan in with, let's say, I don't know, Big E or, 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 or Dollar or Jimmy Sandow. They're not ready. And by putting them in there, they're dragging Bryan down a notch. Kane's kind of like, old, you know, old faithful. You can, it's kind of like the role McFoley used to be in. You need someone to wrestle somebody. You need someone to put him over. We'll stick Mick in there. It's kind of what they used to do with Mick. And I kind of feel that's what they're going to do with Kane here. It's just, just a one-time thing. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a sign that they're going to get pulling Brian down. I think it's just a sign of they needed somebody to bridge Brian between here and the build to a SummerSlam storyline. Uh, speaking about Kane, do you think? How much longer do you think Kane can do this? Because I know there was rumors year, a couple of years ago that Kane was going to most likely maybe retire in a couple of more years. How much more do you see Kane has left? Do you think he's going to be someone for the next three or four years? Or do you think this is coming, this is the last run possibly for Kane? Um, you know what? It, it really all depends on a couple of factors. It depends on his physical health. Uh, it depends on how much more he wants to get out of it. And also, you don't know what his, you know, what, what his family wants out of it. You know, as, 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 as people get older, their priorities change. Um, so, I mean, he's had a good run there. I think he's always going to be someone who's somewhat associated with the company. You know, I think he'll kind of end up like Shawn Michaels or Booker T, where as he kind of cycles his way out of the ring, he'll end up being one of these guys who does some of the glad handing or does some of the paddles and stuff like that. I think he's always going to be around. In terms of an in-ring performer, as long as he's credible in the ring, he's not embarrassing himself and he's not built, he's not building. Uh, Mike? I don't know what that was. That wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> I'm still here. Are you guys still here? Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're still here. Okay, well, uh, thank you, caller. Uh, so <laughs> they, uh, they, you know, as long as he's credible and he's not injured and he doesn't feel like he's embarrassing himself in the ring and they don't feel like he's embarrassing himself in the ring, why can't he still go? I mean, when they decide they want him out, he'll be out. They're the ones that need to call to put Paul Flair out of the ring. So, like, it, it, you know, it's up, as long as they feel like He's an asset, and he, he's not embarrassing himself or the company. They'll have him there. So why would I say why not? Uh, one other thing uh, before we move on to Cena and Wyatt, I was just wondering, when it comes to Daniel Bryan, do you think that – this is something that, you know, the IWC talks about. Do you think that Daniel I Bryan – I hate that term. I hate that term. <laughs> That's like saying every baseball fan thinks the same way. True. It doesn't exist. That's uh, just something some fan – on some little message board road. They went, oh, IWC, I'm so clever. It doesn't exist. All right, well, a wrestling fan. Well, let's put, it th- All right, let's put it this way, though. Do you think Bryant's in the spot that he's in right now because of the outrage and of the, of the audience not liking where they were going or because CM Punk, who you brought up a second ago, decided to go uh, to take a break or go home or, you know, not be there, you know, at the moment? Um, I think it's, um, I think what happened is, uh, you know, we go back to the beginning of the year, Daniel Bryan was scheduled to wrestle Sheamus at WrestleMania. And that's something I broke on PWInsider.com. And the internet kind of went kablooey over it. And I think there were a couple of things. Um, you know, WWE had their plans and, uh, the fans were kind of hijacking stuff and, and making a mockery of the fact that Daniel Bryan wasn't going to be in the main event. 
uh, you know, when they do the Ascension Ceremony before TLC, and at the Rumble with Cena and Orton and all that other stuff, because fans didn't want to see Cena and Orton again. They wanted to see something fresh. At the same time, CM Punk was scheduled to wrestle Triple H. Well, CM Punk decided to go home for whatever reason, whether it was injury, whether it was burnout, whether it was, I don't want to wrestle Triple H WrestleMania, whether it was, I'm a millionaire and I've made all this money, why the hell am I killing myself when I've only got six months left of my deal? Or whether it was, you know, I want to be in the main event of WrestleMania and they're not giving it to me, so the hell with this, I'm going home. It could be one or any combination of those reasons. So once he's gone, the natural thing to do is to take the Daniel Bryan stuff and kind of plug it back into Triple H, because what else is Triple H going to do? You can't start a new storyline fresh with six weeks to go. And, and, and it just kind of, he kind of evened himself out organically into something that looked like WWE had this grand plan all along. It looked like from SummerSlam to WrestleMania, they had this great, this great uh, plan in the scheme of things. They did not. And CM Punk walking out, and it's kind of ironic, because he always talks about, I want, I, I'm here to bring change. I wanted to affect change. Well, he brought change. How did he do it? He went home. And, he, and, and he, he put them in a position where they had no choice but to put Daniel Bryan into that position. And it, they made the fans happy by doing so. And it, and it sort of worked out. But I don't think it was a direct response to the fan reaction. I think it was the fan reaction plus the loss of Punk. Plus, oh my God, you know, Batista has been rejected. So what do we do? It's WrestleMania. We have to have something. And, and Daniel Bryan was the best attraction for their audience for, at this time period. And it worked. Mike, what are your views on the Wyatt Cena feud? I think it's been interesting. Last week, they did the kind of comedy thing with Cena, and they've done that a couple of times, but I think for the most part, they've kept the feud pretty serious, and now Wyatt's starting to do these almost good guy, babyface promos saying, you know, the fans don't love you anymore. I'm taking them with me. Where do you see them going with the Cena-Wyatt feud at Extreme Rules? Do you see them extending this feud out? And uh, do you think that this is really elevating Wyatt into a big-time guy? Um, I, I think the fans already see him as a big-time guy. Um, I, think the, I, think, I think the feud's been great, but the only miscue might have been having uh, John Cena beat him at WrestleMania. I think, you know, they might have even been able to further along the story a little bit more if, if Wyatt had beaten Cena and he could have said things like, you know, I beat you on your home turf, I beat you at WrestleMania, and your people were with me. Um, I mean, the idea that the fans are losing Cena, I mean, they've been booing him for 10 years. So what's the difference now? The difference is now they're just trying to turn it into an aspect of the storyline. Um, I, I, think this, I think it's been great because by having Wyatt and Luke and Rowan work with John, it's kind of legitimized them. And, it's, you know, they're not just these, these guys who are there. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't even a year ago that they debuted. And if you remember when they debuted, they did the stuff with Kane and the Ring of Fire and there was no momentum behind them whatsoever. And anybody who saw them in NXT was kind of like, what the hell did they, what the hell did they do to these guys? Because in NXT, Luke Bray was cutting all these promos like we see now, but in the beginning, he was not. They really were neutering his promos. So, you know, I think, if anything, this allowed him to kind of solidify and become more credible as a performer. And I think, you know, two, three years down the line, those guys are going to be huge baby faces for the company. You can, you can just see it. And, um, you know, but I, I like the, the feud a lot. I'll be honest, I, it's, other than the stuff with CM Punk in 2011, it's been some of my favorite stuff that uh, John Cena's done the last couple of years. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm kind of pulling the Daniel Bryan match out of that because that was kind of like a one and done, the match at SummerSlam. That was pretty good. But, you know, the, the Punk stuff in 2011, 
and the Shawn Michaels stuff that Cena did in London, the one-hour match. So to me, those are like kind of like Cena's best matches. But I really like this storyline because John is always like, ho, 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 you look like you got to pick some boogers here. You know, look at Cesaro's giant areolas. And he's always making these silly jokes about stuff, which get over to the six-year-olds and everyone else kind of just tilts their head and shakes their head at him. And when he tried to pull that on the Wyatts, Bray just stood there and let him do it. And he was like, you think you're so funny, but I'm not laughing. And when I get done with you, you're not going to be laughing either. And to me, that was kind of like, you know, like that serious sort of Blackjack Mulligan, Terry Funk, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Mick Foley, where it's like, yeah, some of this stuff is a show, but that guy's not playing. That you would feel back in the day. And you look at the guy and go, yeah, you know what? That guy just hit himself in the head with a shovel. He ain't right. And not a lot of characters sort of inspire that fear or that aura of, wow, this guy's a little dangerous. I don't want to be around him. Like the old territory characters. And I think Bray is a great throwback to that. And I think Cena's done a great job of trying to help build upon that and make him and Luke Harper and Eric Rowan bigger stars. Yeah, I agree. I think this one been one of uh, Cena's better feuds in a while. Um, moving on to a story that I know is several weeks old. Although Paul Hammond keeps yelling about it every time he has a microphone, the Undertaker's streak. What are your thoughts on the Undertaker's streak going down? What are your thoughts on Brock being the one to uh, end the streak? All right, um, I got to tell you, if it was me, I would have said never end that thing, never ever ever. But when it was done, and I was there, so I saw the live, I saw the live version. I didn't have Michael Cole saying in my ear. The streak is over. I watched people sit there, confused, wondering what the hell just happened. And, and, and I listened to a guy two seats away from me, swear to God, the Undertaker had his foot on the ropes. And I listened, I saw two people, two girls behind me, who had flown from Germany, start crying. And I saw people bolt out of the building angry. And I was like, wow, they've really created this like moment of what the hell happened. And you would always hear this the crazy story of the night Ivan Koloff came off the top rope and with the knee and pinned Bruno San Martino in Madison Garden. And Bruno's told the story when I've interviewed him and when other people have interviewed him, that when he got when it happened, he thought he broke his eardrum because he couldn't hear anything. Because people just stood there shocked because they could not believe this guy lost. And that was the moment that we saw live at the Superdome in New Orleans. People were shocked. And while it's not something I ever would have said, hey, they should do that, by doing it, they shocked people. And they also created the situation where now nothing is sacred, anything can happen, it's a new generation, they closed the door of the old generation, and now what the hell is going to happen next? And if Brock Lesnar can beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, well, then anybody, anytime he's going to wrestle somebody for the title, he can win the title. No matter who he's going to fight, he could beat him. And that's, there, there, there's, a, you know, I talked about Greg's aura of danger. There's an aura of danger and legitimacy to Brock now, even beyond what he already had, that can't be taken away. Now, for, no, it, was, it, was, it was a bold move. I, I applaud them for Now, I, I think that as time goes by, people aren't going to be as upset that the streak is over. I think it's going to be the idea that Lesnar was the one who broke it because he's a part-timer. You know, he only wrestles four or five times a year. Now, do you think the Undertaker Undertaker losing to Lesnar, Lesnar was the right choice? Or would have you put someone else in that spot if you're going to beat the Undertaker? Um, if it was up to me, 
I would have had it be Roman Reigns. For the same reasons that you're talking about, the part-timer. Um, but you have to think this was Undertaker's call as much as it was Vince McMahon's. And uh, you know what? I know Undertaker and Brock are very close. It could be that he wanted to do it for Brock as much as Vince wanted it to happen. And um, I think, you know what? The idea of Brock Lesnar kind of winning the WWE title and maybe taking it hostage while the others are trying to line up to get it back, there could be some interesting stories to be told there. Or who is to say WWE doesn't come back and drop $5 million at Brock's feet and say, we want you on TV every week. You never know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing to be seeing what they do with Brock. Uh, now, moving to Brock's manager, uh, Paul Heyman. So, they're pairing him up with Cesaro, who we think is going to be a guy that they're going to push to the moon. Heyman every week's coming out talking about Brock and then saying, yeah, I also have Cesaro, too. The fans seem to want Cesaro to be a good guy, baby face, but with Heyman out there... It's not exactly going that way. The fans seem to almost be a little bit confused. Where do you think? Where, where do you think they, they're going to go with uh, Cesaro as far as his push and as far as whether they're going to make him a heel or a babyface? Well, I, I, I think he's going to end up being a babyface in the end because the crowd's just—it's it, it, kind of like Daniel Bryan in a lot of ways. He's so good that the audience just gravitates towards him, and they—they they, they love the guy. Um, I think Paul was given to him as a way to kind of legitimize him a little bit and also um, quell the, the, the people in the company that feel Cesaro can't talk and he's not a good promo, which I disagree with. But, you know, when, once, once that company gets something in their mind, it's hard for them to get out of that zone. Again, you know, we're looking at a company that in January, Daniel Bryan was going to be in the big card wrestling Sheamus. So sometimes it's hard to shake them from their, from their convictions. Um, you have to think with the angle with Jack Swagger, that if Cesaro is going to be wrestling Swagger, as he's going to be doing, uh, you know, they're taking SmackDown a couple hours as we record this, Cesaro is going to be the babyface here, uh, which puts Paul Heyman in a weird position. Um, and you know what? In the last couple of years, Vince McMahon has kind of felt like there's no villains, there's no heels, everybody's in the middle. And maybe that, maybe this is just uh, an attempt at them to prove that theory. Uh, once again, you're listening to the Workshoot Podcast. We're joined by... Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. Uh, Mike, before we move on to some other topics, I was just wondering, you've mentioned NXT uh, a couple times. Do you think that NXT is a good thing that it's on the network right now so people are watching the young talent? Or do you think that this oh, I, is showing oh my God. Oh my some God. flaws? I love, that. I love that network. i got to tell you, like, I have to watch it for my job, obviously. But as a wrestling fan, that thing has been so good for the price because between NXT and the old school house shows and the legends of wrestling and the different documentaries that have popped up for Ultimate Warrior and Daniel Bryan and the live programming and the paper, I mean it's so worth 10 bucks I, I think if you're, if, if you're not getting it at 10 bucks um, I mean unless you can't financially afford it which I can understand, uh, you really have no excuse as a wrestling fan not to get it I think it's absolutely worth the price I love the fact that NXT is on there. I had already been watching it, obviously covering it on site um, when it was on Hulu Plus. Um, it's a great, you know, it, to me, um, especially before it came to the network, because they kind of changed the formula a little bit, um, it felt the most like the old Jim Crockett promotion TV shows where you got the most wrestling for your time investment, so to speak. And uh, I, I like it. You know, they, they've got a lot of guys 
who are very good, but they, they, they need some place to cut their teeth. And let's face it, as important as it is to go out in front of the crowd live, WWE is primarily a television product now, okay? It's where they make their money, it's a television rights, now they're a network. So to give the guys a TV show where they have to learn to play the cameras, they have to learn time cues, they have to learn to be done at a certain point, they get to learn to do promos in the back, and we'll see who sinks and swims. I think that's a hell of a, I think that's a hell of a thing. And I, I, you know, Adam Rose is a guy, Bo Dallas is another guy they've been promoting as coming up to Raw the last couple of weeks. Why not give them uh, a sense of familiarity amongst the fans that care enough to watch NXT? So when they come out, they're like, Adam Rose from NXT, this guy's great, I can't wait to see him. You know, like, even like, you know, I remember back in the day, you know, when Axel dug in or the Midnight Riders would come to the WWF, I would be like, oh, I know who those guys are from because of the magazines, from reading the old pro wrestling, you know, straight into the wrestler, inside wrestling, or and the other magazines that Bill After used to edit. And I'd be like, oh, I know who Axel Duggan is, he's from the UWF. And there would be like this men- this note of, all right, this guy's kind of cool. And I think it's kind of like a 21st century version of that, where you go, all right, Adam Rose is coming. All right, I know this guy from NXT. I know what he can do. Let's see what happens with him now. And so, yeah, I, I love the fact that NXT's on the network. There are some weeks it's the best show. Uh, and when you consider there's five hours of WWE on basic cable, the best show sometimes is on the network. That, that's certainly a, a reason to subscribe to the network as well. Uh, one question on NXT. We've seen that, like you said, uh, Rose, Bo Dallas, Paige has just come up, and Rusev. Do you think that there are still guys down in NXT that are going to make a big impact, or do you, or do you think that they're the cream of the crop? I mean, because I've watched Sami Zayn when he was El Generico. I'm a big fan of his. But I'm looking down there, and I'm not sure how many other people are future stars. Do you see a lot well, you of people? Remember, there's, you, got, you have to remember there's also like 50 or 60 guys that are training developmental that have not even appeared on television yet. So, you know, you've got the former Sammy Callahan's down there. You've got the former uh, Samurai Del Sol down there from Dragon Gate. And they're always signing new guys. Um, and you know what? Uh, I think Colin Cassidy um, and Enzo Amore, great talkers, great characters, which WWE is so into the characters as much as the wrestling. And ever since Enzo got injured, he was out with a broken leg. He just came back. Cassidy has been forced to kind of find his confidence in the ring. And he's been forced to kind of showcase some of his, uh, his personality. And he sort of reminds me of a very young Adam Copeland, a young edge. So, I mean, I think he's very good. I think Aiden English, that character, the, the, the Broadway diva sort of singer, that, if anything, that's the, that, to me, that could be the 21st century version of the Honky Talk Man. I agree. This guy, of this guy who's not really a quote-unquote great wrestler and believes he's something great even though he's really not. And then the idea of this guy who's completely completely worthless getting his hands on a championship and holding on to it despite all odds. I mean, Honky Tonk Man, you know, people joke about Honky. Honky Tonk Man drew a lot of money. That guy was headlining house shows in the Meadowlands and Nassau Coliseum and the Garden when he was the Intercontinental Champion. Now, mind you, he was getting chased by Steamboat Savage and Bruno Sammartino, and even worked that, I think, he, I think at one point he worked a, a loop with Hogan. Um, but, the, you know, the entire idea, you know, the Intercontinental Champion headlining shows today is crazy. And, and it was because the guy, the, the fans believed that this guy was a piece of garbage, and we wanted to see him get his ass kicked. And, and Aiden English could certainly fill that bill if they chose to take him that way. Adrian Neville, hell of a flyer, um, hell of a performer. There's something special about him. I also, um, I also think that there's something very likable about Bailey. 
in a very different way. She, you know, she's a very, you know, and, and I, this is going to sound, now, if you read it, what I'm about to say in text, it might not sound like a compliment, but it is. She's a very plain-looking, naive sort of silly girl, uh, and the character's sort of like a female Eugene in a lot of ways. But there's something likable about that, and that's a character that kids will really gravitate towards and get into, like they did Eugene back in the day. And, and she's completely different from everybody else on the Divas roster, the main roster, and in the, and in the developmental. So to me, that makes her uh, all the more interesting. And there's a lot of other people down there, too. I mean, the, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of C.J. Parker, per se, but I see why people, why, why they push that character of, like, you know, the pissed-off hippie who wants to save the environment, and why don't you fans agree with me? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, the typical sort of, uh, you know, I'm so great, how could you people not think I'm great? personality. So, I mean, I, th I think NXT is stacked right now. Corey Graves, holy hell, that guy's going to be a great kill when he gets to the main roster. They, that guy's got the whole... When you watch the way he walks to the ring, and he leans against the ring post with just sheer disgust and disdain, um, you look at him and you're like, that's the main event guy. He walks out like he's a star. And he looks like, you know, this sort of dirty, ratty, X-games sort of guy. And, 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 and there's a certain demographic that will gravitate towards that because they're like, hey, he's like me. The same way they, they, they fans fell in love with CM Punk. Um, and, you know, obviously, let's, you know, Sammy Zayn. Everybody liked him as El Generico. Works his ass off. He's a very likable baby face. He showed he could cut good promos. Why not? You know, why can't he have a chance? Uh, you know, there are guys who can just wrestle just for the sake of wrestling. And there are guys who will be great personalities and, uh, I think NXT's done a good job of grooming people. And let's face it, Rusev, Xavier Woods, Paige, we haven't even really seen what they can do yet on the main roster. They're just kind of there and getting their feet wet. So we can't, you know, we can't, we can't even like really consider them as not NXT talents anymore. So I think there's a, I think there's a wealth of talent. Plus, they're only every three months they're doing tryouts and bringing in all the top indie guys, whether it's Ricochet or Kevin Steen or whoever. And those guys can end up in NXT at any point as well. So, you know, you're, you're always going to be able to stop the covers. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think NXT has been great. I was YouTubing the Florida Championship Wrestling when Rollins was champion, and I've been following it for a while. I'm really excited to see NXT on the network. I think it's one of the best things on the network, and they've done a great job with that. Now, going back and keep staying with the network, it was reported that they had, I think, 668,000 purchases um, and now they're doing free trials again. Uh, you know, DirecTV no longer is go going to be showing the pay-per-views. Up to this point, do you think the network has been a success or a disappointment? And what do you see as the future of the network moving forward? Um, well, the future has to be they've got to get it out to international markets. If they don't get it out to like, – like right now, I can tell you that on PWInsider.com, just from our personal subscriber base – Germany, England, France, Canada. Other than the United States, those are our big four markets where we have large segments of fans that subscribe to our elite section, which we'll talk about at the end of the interview. And you have to assume WWE Network's not there yet. And even if some fans are sneaking their way in, like figuring out a way to change their VPN number or whatever, the majority of the average wrestling fan there that might want to pay for this is not yet. So they need to get this thing expanded out, in, out in, across the world because the one thing that they have is they've got such a global interest in terms of their fan base 
they're going to, they'll break a million subscribers, but I think they're going to have to get to some of these other countries in order to do it. Now, the 657,000 number, um, I know people in the stock world kind of freaked out about that, but in less than two months, you've got almost 700,000 people signed up. I, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know? Like, if they came back and they were like, well, we had 200,000 people, I'd be like, this is the XFL, they're dead in the water. I don't feel it. I don't feel like they're dead in the water. Um, and there's, there's, I, 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 you know, I written about this and I said this on PW Insider. This thing is going to evolve. It's going to change. You know, they're going to make mistakes. And they knew going in and they warned their stockholders for at least two or three years going in. We're going to take a loss of this at first. But we're going to have to because we're going to change our entire, our entire business plan. Our entire business model is going to work around the network as opposed to working around paper. So, you know, it, it's going to take time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a home run. I definitely see they're on base, um, and it's going to take time for them to uh, to get it to where they want it. Um, in their mind, they probably want it to be a million, a million people to announce a million, a million uh, subscribers in day one. That wasn't going to happen. Mike, one of the things that we have, we're we're both around, you know, mid thirties. We are both, uh, you know, Corey and I, we're both big fans of the eighties. That's where we grew up watching uh, wrestling. And one thing that was always emphasized in the 80s was the Intercontinental Championship. Um, guys like Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, Bret Hart, these guys. Over the last couple of weeks, they've really been emphasizing the Intercontinental Championship on Raw. You see this as something where they're going to start to emphasize this a little bit more, like they have the tag team titles over the last, I don't know, year, year and a half or so? Or do you kind of see this as an aberration, something they had nothing on Raw, so they put the IC number one contender up there, and in a couple of weeks, we'll kind of forget who the IC champ is again. Um, no, I hope not. Um, I know that, you know, I reported like six months before they really started pushing the tag titles again, that it was in their plans. That was a Triple H movie. He really wanted that to happen. Um, and I, I think the it's, it's, it's one of two things. One, they have this belt. They, they've done away with the two world titles. So now you've got to make what's left mean more. And the other thing is they really like being, they really like being like Slim or Big now. And, you know, what better way to kind of showcase him than to have all these guys fighting for the chance to wrestle him. And by doing that, they make the Intercontinental title match mean all that more. It brings up the prestige of the championship. Now, will it always be perfect? Will it ever get back to when Bret Hart and Rick Steamboat and Randy Savage and whatnot had the belt? No. It's a different business now. It's, you know, it, there's, there's far more TV that they have to burn through a week now. But uh, they certainly can present it with a little bit more legitimacy, and I hope that they do. I, I think it only behooves them to do that. A uh, quick thing before we move on to uh, TNA. I was just wondering, do you think that with the IC title being put as a priority, at least for the moment, you think that a Wade Barrett is going to uh, – you think he's going to win this and then lose to Big E, or – do you think that Wade Barrett's actually going to get a little bit of a run here? Um, I just actually talked about this in a, in a subscriber audio on PW Insider, and I said, you know, if my gut is Barrett's going to go through, Barrett's going to win, and I would not be shocked to see Barrett win the title, just because there seems to be some momentum behind Bad News Barrett at the moment. The character just seems to have taken off. So why not run with it? But we'll see. Uh, moving on to uh, some TNA. I'm just wondering, do you see T... I mean, there's usually doom and gloom when it comes to talking about TNA, but 
do you see uh, anything that they're actually doing? I'm sorry, you said Mike? But I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you, do you see any positives that they're doing right now? Because I know usually most times people ask, it's always, this is, these are the 95 different things, you know, the Sam Shores of the world, the Willows. Do you see them actually doing anything well right now, or is it just everything so bad that it's hard to even see the positives? Um, wow, that's... You know, in a lot of ways, the, the negative gets so churned up and pushed out there that sometimes it's hard to remember the positives. Um, you know what? They, they do have guys that work hard. When you look at the wrestlers... James Storm versus Gunner is a great example of a feud that's been really good, really physical, a good story, and they're beating the piss out of each other in the ring. Um, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, solid workers, and they were a good hire. Um, Sonata and Tigre Uno, great workers, good hire. But I, I think it's you know it's almost become like the cool cheap, in, in, you know tongue and cheek thing to be like, haha, Tigre, look at you, you know kind of like everybody is, is Nelson the Bully laughing at poor Bart Simpson. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, working for TNA, you're probably as frustrated as the fans watching. Because, you know, they don't want to have a crappy program. You know, it's not like they're sitting there going, what way can we come up to to suck today? They just believe this is the way that things should be and the way it should work. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, they need to figure out what their battle plan should be and they should go with it. Because the one thing you're never going to be able to do is outperform WWE doing a WWE-like product. And whether it's going to be, you know, an ECW-style product or an old NWA-style product or an MMA-infused product or what Ring of Honor does, you got to do something different. And TNA doesn't try to do that, and that's a big problem. Mike, I feel bad asking this. I keep asking you about predictions and what do you see, but I guess you're kind of the, the insider, so that's what we're asking. What do you think, so, you know, Corey asked you about the positives of TNA, what are they doing right? To me, if you're doing a few things right but doing most things wrong, you're not being successful. And that's where I feel like TNA is. But where do you see them going over the next couple of months? We know the Spike deal's coming up. Uh, we know they're doing these shows in New York. We know they're doing these shows in New York City. I mean, do you think they get picked up by Spike? And if they don't, do they have any chance of continuing as a company? Um, they can continue on. I don't know if they can make money without Spike unless they find another TV deal. Um, it's all on TV. That company was never, ever in the black until they expanded to two hours and started to get paid for that second hour by Spike. Um, now, they have that show internationally distributed, and they make money off that, but Spike is where they get the lion's share of their money. And in fact... If Spike's a little late paying them, it kind of breaks down TNA's pay process um, because of the, you know, the, the, just the, the, um, the, uh, the butterfly effect of, of, of what happens. Um, you know what? Their deal is up in October. I've asked people in Spike, I've asked people in TNA whether they're negotiating a new deal. No one gives me a straight answer. So it could be they're in negotiations and they just don't want to say anything. could be Spike's talking to WWE or Viacom's talking to WWE. And they don't want to do anything with TNA because the WWE deal might violate that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I think it's a, it's a very uncertain time for that company because the last time their TV deal was up, which was October 2010, the previous May, May of 2010, they had their deal done, signed, sealed, and delivered, and they were finished. So 
you know, here we are. We're almost in May, and we don't hear much about a TV negotiation or anything like that. And that certainly caused her concern. But uh, nobody's seeing anything 100% concrete in way. Now, recently, uh, on TNA's Twitter page, they've, they've announced that, you know, Gunner, Robbie E., Rockstar Spud, and James Storm have resigned. Now, those are all nice, small moves keeping guys there, but it looks like, you know, the Christopher Daniels and Kazarians are most likely done. AJ's no longer with the company. Joe and Angle's contracts are coming up. Do you see them re-signing the Joes or the Angles of the world? Or is it once their deals are done, you know, it's just more guys who don't cost anything and we just hopefully TNA starts to, you know, do something? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my... My feeling is you always need that one guy who's like your sort of legend that's always been around. You know, like in the original ECW, they had Terry Funk. And Funk could work with all the younger guys, whether it was Public Enemy or Tommy Dreamer or whoever. And he would add their legitimacy, add some legitimacy to them. And I kind of feel like TNA needs that one guy. And I, I guess the guy is Angle. If you had to pick one or the other, you'd have to pick Angle, right? I mean, he's the Olympic gold medalist, Hall of Famer, all this other stuff. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's weird because, you know, AJ left because his contract came up and he was like, I made X all along. I should make this. And they were like, no, we're going to pay you Y. And Y was far less than X ever was. And if you're AJ, what do you do? Do you take less money and set the stage for all these other guys to take less money? Or do you stand up for yourself and go, well, I'm going to go out of the Indies and, and go work elsewhere? and sign a Japanese deal, which is what he did. He's going to get a big portion of New Japan for wrestling. So he's not hurting for money. And these other guys are not going to back down and take less money because they're seeing what AJ's doing. They're going, well, maybe I can do the same thing. Um, you know, it, 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 it's an unfortunate situation, but TNA has put themselves in a position where they made some bad deals. They brought in Hogan and Bischoff. They, they, they tried to go on the road. They tried to go live. And none of this stuff ever panned out. So now the wrestlers, whether it's fair or not, are paying the price for the decisions that the company management made. And from a company management standpoint, they've got to keep that. They've got to keep the ship afloat. They've got to keep the boat in the water. So the best way to keep it from taking out water is to cut costs. And if that means they've got to lose a couple of guys along the way, then you know what? At least there's still a TNA at the end of the day. And that, and that, without TNA, nobody's going to change. So, I mean, it, it's not an easy situation on, on either side. I keep on pointing that, both sides of that argument. Uh, I don't know what Joe's deal is up. I know Engel's deal is up, I think, this fall. And I, I, I kind of think Kurt's got to want to go back to WWE. So he's talked privately about, I want to have my last match for WrestleMania. I want to have that big crowd. And don't think that Hulk Hogan walking out the Superdome and getting that huge reaction and this huge well homecoming, that guys like Kurt Engel don't see that as well and go, that's what I want. Uh, once again, we are joined by Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. I uh, just want to bring up, you, you brought it up uh, before, ROH. Recently, uh, they've announced that they're going to do a pay-per-view in June 22nd, I believe is the date. Where do you... Best of the world, 2014. Right. Uh, how big of an impact do you think this can be for ROH? And do you think that, and I guess I'm almost saying this kind of kiddingly, but... Could there be enough interest that they outdraw this TNA sacrifice pay-per-view on Sunday? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, 
I don't know. I think it all depends on the on the cards they put on and whether fans are willing to give them a chance. There's there's certainly been um, there's certainly already been a, uh, a, a an interesting time period with with Ring of Honor in the last couple of years where they've tried and they have technical problems with their internet papers and stuff. And I think they've tried very hard to make up some of that ground that they've lost. And really, this will be their chance to kind of showcase what they can do live for a pay-per-view audience. Now, the question is whether they can get all those people that are watching it on the Sinclair Broadcasting Group uh, with the syndicated, net, syndicated stations across the country in the 60 or 70 markets to turn into paid pay-per-view buyers. I don't, I don't know that they can, but if anybody's going to have a chance, it's going to be them because they're the only ones with free TV on uh, net, on, on broadcast, free to broadcast television. They're not on cable. They're on over the air. So, you know, it's, you know they're, hopefully this is going to mean something for them. Hopefully some of, these internet, some of the Internet fans and the long-term diehard Ring of Honor fans will want to turn around and, uh, you know, support the company and see what it's all about again. Because let's face it, over time, some of them fell out of favor with Ring of Honor because it wasn't their core group of guys. It was a new group of guys. But I think, you know what, it was a move they had to make. You know, you know they're owned by a, a huge broadcasting company. So why can't they make the move and try and do things on a major scale? They're never going to reach the level of WWE. They're never going to reach the level of TNA in terms of like a, a Spike TV, a national cable deal. But, um, you know, I, I don't see why. I don't know. I can't understand why anyone would think this is a bad move. Uh, I, I don't know that they can outdraw TNA. I don't know that people are going to give it a chance, but I certainly think it's, it's, it's worth a shot. And I, I think, you know, when you've got two months to build to it, uh, you certainly have given yourself enough time to try and create some situation, um, create create some scenarios rather to to, to make people want to buy it and entice people to want to buy it. So, uh, do you do you think that the the, the smartest thing for that pay per view is to uh, do Michael Elkin versus Adam Cole and maybe a possible title change there, or do you think that it's still too early in Cole's title run to change the title? Oh, they can change the title anytime they want. Um, uh, the um, I, I think it's actually a great idea. Uh, I'm hoping maybe they'll have AJ Styles in the show as well. You know, so uh, I I um, I think that Elegant versus Cole is a great idea, but you know, to the average person out there, who's Michael Elegant and Adam Cole? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think I think you gotta. You know, this may be the show where they need to try and get a Bret Hart to come in or someone like that to make an appearance just to give some extra oomph and, and pop and circumstance to the show. And we'll see. Um, but, I mean, from Matt, from an in-ring quality, you can't go wrong with a Ring of Honor show. The matches are amazing. Now, Mike, we've, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, spending all the time with us here. Um, we've been talking now about TNA, about Ring of Honor, about kind of these secondary companies to the WWE. Now let's go on to Jeff Jarrett's project, Global Force Wrestling. So we've seen, you know, there's uh, the guy from The Biggest Losers attached to the product now. Uh, they're looking to shop for network deals. Supposedly it's going to be something different than just a wrestling show. We don't really know. Jeff Jarrett's taking pictures with other guys and putting them on his website saying join the force. And that's causing kind of an uproar. Where do you see this going? I haven't been that enamored with 
the website, and with kind of how they rolled things out. Uh, what do you think about the rollout, and where do you see them going? Um, the uh, the website definitely needs an upgrade. That's no argument there. Um, but you know, from what I understand from talking to Jeff Jarrett, they're not going to run any shows until the end of 2014. So we're looking at. October, November, December, January, somewhere around there. So if they're not going to run any shows until then, they've got to do something to start to build up the, the hype and the interest. The danger is hyping it up too much and then not being able to come through with whatever you promise. You know, and that's like any wrestling main event. Half the story is hyping it up. We're just, just talking about Ring of Honor. You know, you kind of need something to get people excited and to entice them. And I think Jeff's trying to do that with some of the videos that he's put out and kind of making little announcements along the way. And, you know, I don't know what his end game here is. And unless they have a TV show that's going to pay them for the product, you know, they're going to be operating in the red from the start. So, yeah. Very to this from the point of view of, and he has not told me this, I'm just assuming, I built TNA. I can do it again. And maybe he can. Um, and maybe he can do it without some of the, you know, the stink of TNA and some of the, the frustrations that came with TNA. No. Um, I don't know. I'm excited about it, but, I, you know, I get excited when there's an independent running five minutes from my house. I like wrestling. I, I, I get to write about what I like for a living. Um, I, don't, I, think, I think we've got too many unanswered questions to really know what's up. But, yeah, the website did not put their best foot forward, I believe. Let me – oh, uh, I have one more question, Corey. Uh, Mike, one more question really quick for you. With, with Global, with Ring of Honor, with WWE, with TNA, is is there enough interest in wrestling in this country and in the foreign markets for all these companies to make money and to make impacts in general? Is, 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 is there an oversaturation of the market? No, no, there's not enough wrestling. If you look back 20 years... There was a promotion in Memphis, there was a promotion in Nashville, there was a promotion in Georgia, there was a promotion in Birmingham, there was a promotion in Tampa, there was a promotion in Calgary, there was a promotion in New York, the promotion in LA, there was a promotion in San Francisco, promotion in Portland, there were in Texas and so forth and so forth. Uh, almost forgot Kansas City, sorry, they're central state. Um, there were lots, and wrestling fans loved all of it. Now, the difference between then and now is, you know, you've got one prevailing company that has taught a generation for 30 or several generations for 30 years, this is what pro wrestling is. And to them, everything else is kind of like, eh, what do I need to watch that for? I can watch WWE. Uh, you know, think about WWE now. The one thing that they have over everybody else now, they got five hours of TV just on cable. That with the network, you got countless hours. So if, you, if I got WWE on seven nights a week, why do I need to go out of my way to watch TNA or Ring of Honor or Global or anything else? And, you know, that's the problem for the majority of those fans, that they will be, they're, they're wrestling fans. They're not wrestling fans, they're WWE fans. Just like in MMA, some people want, the majority watches UFC, but they're not going to watch Bellator, they're not going to watch King of the Cage or any of these other groups. They want to watch UFC, that's where the UFC personalities are. And even when, like, Tito Ortiz or or, or uh, Rampage Jackson goes to Bellator, the hardcore fans are following them, the diehard fans, but the average fan just wants to go to the bar and watch UFC, 
He ain't going to watch Bellator on Spike. He's waiting for the next UFC to watch the next guy fight because UFC is his deal. And I think that's the way it is with a lot of WWE fans. Now, with that said, you look at the Coca-Cola, you look at the, uh, the soda industry. You got Coke, you got Pepsi, you got Sprite, you got Snapple. There's no reason Ring of Honor can't be Snapple and operate within their guidelines and be profitable. Or TNA can't be profitable. I think the problem is everybody's tr- everybody tries to be, I'm going to be the new WWE. I'm going to knock them off the pedestal like this show did back in the day. It's not going to happen now. They, they, they've got... Um, they've got um, decades of basically embedding their DNA into the minds of what pro wrestling is. So yeah, there, there, there is no oversaturation. But I think the hard job that anyone who wants to work in pro wrestling that is not a WWE affiliated has is to try and get someone who believes wrestling is defined by only those three letters and get them to become a fan of something else and get them to spend their money on something else. Not easy. And it's like, you listen, I like the, I like the Harlem Globetrotters, but if you're a Knicks fan, you're not going to see the Harlem Globetrotters. You know? You might go once for the goof, but when they come back a year later, you're not going to go again. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, it's very similar. People go, oh, WWE's the big show. Everything else, eh, we'll see. And you, you guys know, hey, there's great wrestling everywhere. But the average fan... It's not going to be invested in great wrestling or invested in the characters, and to them, WWE defines these characters. Uh, now, I've never spoken to Jeff Jarrett, and, I, and but if I'm wrong here, just quickly correct me. But if Jeff Jarrett had any sort of a good relationship with Vince McMahon and was able to get employed by them, would we have a TNA or a Global Force Wrestling? I guess my question, kind of, is 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 this? I know it's good for the business, giving more guys work. But is this basically just to keep Jeff Jeff Jarrett, you know, able to be employed and, and still wrestle, you know, these projects? Um, uh, you know what? I'm sure some of it is because everybody's ego-driven, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be the star of the show, so why not? Um, I, I think if WWE wanted Jeff in 2001, um, when WCW went down, you, there wouldn't have been a TNA. But they didn't want him, and what was Jeff going to do? Was he going to lay there and cry in a fetal position and go, oh, WWE doesn't want me because they didn't like the way I handled the China situation back in the day? Uh, or is he going to stand up and be a man and try and create something? I think it took a lot of balls for him to do that. I think it took a lot of balls for Dixie Carter to buy into that company. Um, unfortunately for them, you know, this story has not been a successful one. I think it takes a lot of balls for Jeff Jarrett to go, I, I'm the biggest shareholder in this company other than Panda. And I'm going to walk away and try to do something new. When he could have just sat there behind the desk and made money. And instead he's like, I'm going to try to affect some change. I'm going to do something new for myself. You know, at the end of the day, whether you're a pro wrestler or you're a writer or you're working in 7-Eleven or you're driving a taxi, at the end of the day, no matter what you do, as a person, you want to be happy with what you do. You don't want to be miserable. So I can never begrudge the guy, even if it's completely ego-driven, to go, I want to be the world heavyweight champion on my TV show every week because that's what defines me as a person. I can't blame the guy for having the balls to try and go out and accept that or make that happen because if he's doing that for himself, the trickle-down effect is there's going to be other wrestlers who get a job. There's going to be other production people who get a job. There's going to be other wrestling for fans to like. So even if, 
his his mindset is all about himself, the ends justify the means because it helps the wrestling business. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with Jeff Porter be hitting people in the heads and calling them with guitars and calling people slap nuts and being a star. And I don't even think Jeff would deny that if you, if you asked him. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Vince McMahon wanted to take over the world. Uh, you know, it, it certainly worked out for a lot of pro wrestlers. A lot of guys are millionaires because Vince wanted to take over the world. And, and, and certainly everyone's going to go, well, it was better back in the territory. Yeah, guys weren't making seven figures in a month. You know, WrestleMania season wasn't coming. Guys weren't getting six-figure checks for being in video games when they didn't have to do anything. So you got to take the you got you got to take the good with the bad. Now, uh, I was just wondering because, like I said before, we started this uh, conversation. I told you I actually spoke to you years ago when, like I said, uh, you filled in for uh, Buck Woodward on uh, PW Insider. I was just wondering, how did you get started in uh, in this business? Oh, my God. Um, like everybody else, I'm, I'm, I was a fan. I still consider myself a fan. I still love for us. Like, um, the Raw started at the Manhattan Center in 1993, and I was going to those shows. I was leaving college and going to those shows. Um, and one thing that's kind of forgotten in the history of all that is that if you watch those early shows, it was a lot of the same fans. So, like anything else, when you see the same people, you create all these relationships. Um, through those relationships, I began going to the original ECW, which was fans. Um, at the original ECW, I meet Dave Scherer, who currently owns PW Insider. He's the head, the, the head poobah here in our, in, our, in our part of town. And um, I always had a writing background, and Dave was doing a newsletter, the Wrestling Larry newsletter. And I read it and I thought it was good. ECW is gonna to come to New York, which is where I'm from. Um, and Dave's in Philly and Jersey, he's not gonna to come to New York. And so I basically woke up to him and I go, you know what? I'm a good writer, I'm gonna send you some New York stuff. Okay. And it was just like that, we were all for the races. That was all it was. And so I sent him stuff, he liked it, he ran it, and uh, it was never a plan to make this my full time career. I had another job in the entertainment industry that I that I that I did working in management and production. And um, through a strange series of events, I ended up in a car accident. I nearly died, boo-hoo, I'm okay, I'm not dead, so yay for me. And, but because of the time that I needed to do the physical rehab, I needed to leave that job. And what I was doing to make ends meet was doing some writing, getting paid, and uh, I was getting ready to go back into my old world. And well, all I ever wanted to do really was write. And I, I swear to God, we can go back to stuff that I had from fourth grade where my goal was to be a writer. So, like, you know, I'm very lucky because I get to do what I wanted to do. Ever since I was a little kid and didn't know what the hell writing really entailed other than I wanted to be a writer. Jeff Jarrett might have wanted to be the world champion. I wanted to write. Um, Dave said, well, I'm going to leave one wrestling in a couple of months. Uh, I'm going to start I'm going to start a new site, which I don't even think had a title yet. I said, all right, I'm going to go with you. I had money in the bank, and I said, I'm going to give myself a year to make it work. If it doesn't work in a year, I'll go back into the entertainment world. I'll be a monkey in an office, and I'll, be, and I'll do what I got to do. Within a year, I went from paying myself, uh, plus whatever Dave was paying, with, paying me to, Dave was able to pay me a full-time salary, and I've been here ever since. So we just celebrated our 10th year in January, and I'm very blessed, and I'm very lucky. And anybody in the sound of my voice has ever 
get on the site, write a story, click on an ad, subscribe to a lead, um, or say hello to me. Uh, it's thanks to you, including you guys. This obviously means site. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed, how more blessed than anybody in the world should be. And I also realize that it can end at any time. So I literally say a prayer every day that this lasts another 20 years. Uh, one last so, thing. Oh, one last thing. Very before- lucky. Uh, absolutely. One last thing. How much do you think the internet has changed uh, wrestling in regards to PW Insider as a website and maybe as a company as for you know wrestling as a whole? Well, now, now, what do you mean? Like, well, like, without the internet, there wouldn't be a PW Insider, so I'd be out of work. <laughs> well, I was just saying, so, like, I more mean, you know, with the newsletter, you know, it started off as a newsletter, and now well, it's turned into. Happened, well, what happened? Well, what happened is the newsletter was bought out by One Wrestling. Dave went to One Wrestling to work as a staffer. And Dave pretty much took all of his little, his motley crew of guys, and we all went with him. You know, we were doing it out of love. We weren't doing it for money. You know, when I worked on the ECW website, I wasn't doing it for money. I was doing it out of love for the ECW website. You know, when I worked as their historian, uh, it was because, you know, we, we, we were lucky enough to be part of something that was very special and unique, and we loved it. We wanted it to, uh, to, 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 you know, to exist, and we wanted to write about it. We wanted to enjoy it. Um, you know, it, it, I, like anything else, uh, when, when national cable came, your local TV stations died out one by one because everything went national. And it was the same way with the newsletters. That sort of print media was not going to exist once the Internet came because, you know, it, it's kind of like Twitter now. It, 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 if somebody gets fired from the New York Mets, it's on Twitter in 30 seconds. Before, you had to wait for the newspaper the next day. And it's the same thing, you know, it's the same thing with the internet. Now, if something happens, we can have an extreme rise and cancel all their shows today. We had it up within 30 seconds of getting the release. Before, it might have to uh, take a couple of days for it to get out. And it's, you know, it's just the way the world, just the way the world has changed and technology has changed. So, you know, it, uh, thank God it did, because I don't know, I, I don't know what I'd be doing otherwise except being a miserable person working in the entertainment industry looking at all these crazy actors. So, <laughs> I'm very, very happy. Mike, um, one last one for me. Uh, in terms of, you know, you're a writer, you're breaking stories. Obviously, you compete with other writers on other websites that we're not going to mention for stories. Do you feel, and I'm sure you know, when you break a story, you put it on Twitter, you put it on the site, what have you, and you know people are paying for this forever. Do you find that the pressure is greater to get the story out there? You know, to be the first one to break the story or to get the story right, and and, and kind of how do you, you know, how how does that conflict work with you? Um, it makes you work harder, but you it's a scary balance because you want to be right, you want to be first, and you want to be right, and sometimes in that race for you first, you can make a mistake, and, and there are times I made that mistake, a couple of times. I made mistakes um, where I believe the sources that I had and, and, and I ended up falling on my face. And the best thing you can do is kind of brush yourself off and, and be a man and apologize about it because if you don't, then you look like a piece of garbage. You know, um, but I, I don't really worry about what everybody else was doing. I Like I, like I said to you um, before we went on the air, I really don't I really don't read anything else because one, I don't want anybody's opinion to seep into how I look at things. And two, if I'm going to be so concerned about wrestling website A, B, C, D, E, and F, then that time can be used to 
research, interview, chase people down for stories, go to shows, work on my own writing, work on the social media for the site, maybe put up some photos. Like, you know, there's a different, you know, it comes a time where, you know, let's say I want to write the great American novel, right? If all, if all I'm doing is paying attention to what John Steinbeck is doing and reading all his stuff, what am I gonna, what am I gonna write? So it's like, I kind of try to act like we're in a bubble and we're the only ones and stay away from everybody else because by reading all their stuff, all I'm doing is detracting um, from my, my own work ethic and distracting myself from putting out content for people who are paying me. And my loyalty is to the people who pay me, which, is the re- which are the readers and, are, and, and, and our, our elite subscribers. So to me, I owe them. You know, I don't punch them out. I get up, I start working. I don't stop till I go to bed. If I wake up at 5 a.m., I'm working on stuff for the site. I'm ready to shower, brush my teeth. And if I'm up to 4 o'clock that night, and obviously, you know, it's not like straight, I'm not just sitting there changing the computer. But over the course of the day, that phone doesn't stop ringing, text messages don't stop coming in, emails don't stop coming in. I'm working in some way, shape, or form mentally from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. So if you think about how much time that ministry entails, when do you get on time to go read Wrestler X's uh, website? You really don't. And it's not if you want to stay on, stay on the ball and find stuff out. Because, you know, we've been very lucky. WWE's very good, been very good for PW Inside the last couple of years in terms of getting back to us about stories and statements and inviting us to media jumping and stuff. But for a long time, it was hard to get the straight answer out of people there. And, and that's when you've got to dig into these sources and try and figure stuff out. Sometimes, you're going to piece together stories, and you're not. Everything's not going to match up because everybody has their own agenda and everybody has their own point of view. So that takes time to try and match things up and, and try and figure out the right the right stories. You know, if you say a guy broke his ankle, all right, well that's pretty tough to try. But if this guy walked out, why didn't he walk out? Is he fired? Is he pissed? Is he injured? Now you start asking around to get these different stories. It's like watching a car accident. Twelve different people saw it from 12 different vantage points, they've all got a different version of the action. Your job as a writer, or as a reporter, is to sit through all that and try to figure out what the truth is. Sometimes it takes a lot of time. I don't have about degree that you know stuff. So there's not a pressure of fighting on them or racing against them, but there's a pressure of, holy crap, this guy left WWE. I want to get it up before WWE announces because that's what my readers are paying me. And I gotta make sure it's right. And if it's not right, I look like an asshole. I don't wanna look like an asshole. Because if I look like an asshole to one guy, that one guy may not want to come out to the site. That one guy may not want to one day become a subscriber. And I need all of those people to allow me to have this job. You know, nothing is forever, but you wanna try and make things work for as long as you can. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, I wanna thank you very much for doing the show today. Uh, if you wanna give a quick uh, plug for. PW and, and Mike, it actually doesn't have to be quick. It can be as long as you want it to be, brother. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, plug away. Well, that's great because we're talking about the Great American Novel, and I've written the first 400 pages, so let's start here, and I'll, I'll, I'll just keep going. So, um, uh, you know, obviously, PWInsider.com is where I work. Dave Share and Stu Carpole and my guests are and the whole crew there. Uh, we do a ton of stuff every day uh, in terms of writing, and then check that out. And obviously, if you are so inclined, we have our elite subscription section, which is cheaper than the WWE Network, but probably as much fun, if not more. Um, and you can subscribe to that for an ad-free version of the site. Lots of audio every day, lots of interviews. Uh, in the last couple of months, we've had Roddy Piper, we've had Goldberg, 
Uh, we tend to be Oscar Jr. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of interviews up there. Um, and you know what? I guess follow me on Twitter, Mike at Mike W Insider. And uh, you know what? I, like I said, I, I realize that I'm in a very blessed position. And without each and every person who's listening to the sound of my voice, I don't have anything. And I'm very humbled by that. I'm very appreciative by that. And uh, I love pro wrestling. I'm, I'm one of these lucky people who get to write about it for a living. And, I thank you guys for your time, and I thank everybody for uh, putting up with me for the last hour. It's, it's been our pleasure, Mike, and uh, love to have you on again. If it's possible, we will speak to you again real soon. Thanks, Mike. Right, thank you. Uh, Jason, that was an entertaining hour that we're glad that we were able to, uh, to give to uh, the great fans of the Workshoot Podcast. And uh, with a lot of interesting stuff that we were able to get to today with uh, Mike Johnson. Yeah, I agree. I thought he did a great job. It was, it was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, we will be back in a moment just to wrap this bad boy up. But uh, you've been listening to Workshoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. And it's been a pleasure to have uh, Mike Johnson on this week. We'll be right back. When I say it's party time, you say all the time. It's party time. All the time. It's party time. All the time. Don't be a lemon. Be a rosebud. Choo choo. And we're back on the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Corey Richmond, Jason Brooks. Uh, we're very happy to have had Mike Johnson of PWInsider.com on this week, who brought his A game, to say the least. Uh, very informative, and I'm glad to have him on the program. Uh, Jason, uh, we have a couple of people we want to go and plug this week. Uh, you want to start that off with us? Yeah, the first thing I want to plug is a Facebook group that I joined. Um, obviously, we're always trying to get you know listeners to the podcast and get people to listen. And I also wanted to join a group that of people that like wrestling that are into it. Uh, good to talk with people during Raws and stuff like that. And the Facebook group is called Yup, I Like Wrestling, Y-E-P. Uh, they're a Facebook group. They have over 3,000 members, um, I think 3,089 members. Um, and, you know, it's just a great group, so if you're on Facebook and want to join a group that likes wrestling, you know, you can just look them up. Um, now, to plug our stuff, so on t Twitter, obviously I was fired up on Twitter going on there yesterday, um, talking about Raw and things like that. Our Twitter is Warped Shoot Pod, so you can find us at Warped Shoot Pod, Live Shoot Raw, Sometimes we'll talk about Impact, you know, uh, Ring of Honor, things like that. Sometimes we'll have news stories on there, um, links to our to our podcast, things like that. Uh, we're also on Facebook at the Work Shoot Podcast. So similar to Twitter, we put stuff up, links to our site, stories, things like that. And the best way to get a hold of us is www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's workshoot.podomatic.com. 
It's got the links to all of our, our almost all of our old podcasts. Also, you can find us on iTunes at the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. So just look us up, the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Review us, like us, uh, give us five stars, and it'll, it'll help us kind of get some more traction. Uh, thank you, like always, on that. Uh, a couple people I wanted to thank, you know, for participating in the show. Uh, one, last week we were honored to have Christopher Morin from Morin's Law, and you should definitely check out his blog. Once again, that's mortonslaw.com, and uh, his latest article is entitled Wild Weekend in the NBA Playoffs. So as a Chicago Bulls fan that he is, I'm sure he's going to have some interesting takes on uh, them losing to Washington. But, uh, you know, always take a look there for uh, takes on sports, MMA, and this, and what we love to talk about, wrestling. So it's an always an interesting uh, take on, uh, on the entertainment, to say the least. Uh, next, we have our buddies at the Kitchen Sink Podcast, which uh, frequent contributor... Eddie Z and a guy who maybe we'll have on the show in another decade or two, Chris when Wizard. When starts to actually watch wrestling again? <laughs> hey, anything is possible. You know, we, we were actually able to have a big name guest on. Maybe we'll actually be able to have Chris Wizard join the show for you know a thirty second cameo. Well, he is a big name guest, so that is true. Uh, he really is something. Uh, but on this up week, upcoming week's uh, show, they're going to be talking about. Songs that you would put on if you were going to have an album of your life, basically. You know, the songs that really tell your story. And uh, also want to give a little shout-out to uh, the Upright Citizen Upright Brigade, who uh, has the UCBW uh, Comedy Wrestling. You can go follow them on Twitter at UCBW. Who uh, one, one of their people, uh, Ken Beck, was uh, put together our... Great graphics, which you've seen on the Facebook page and on Podomatic. Uh, before we head out of here today, just wanted to let everybody know that even though it took me about 30 seconds ago to realize it, TNA has a pay-per-view this weekend called Sacrifice, which I think if you're going to take... Don't watch it. Don't, don't spend your money. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> I was going to say, if you wanted to sacrifice your, uh, your time... Well, no, you're going to be sacrificing twenty four ninety five and three hours. Oh, I think it's a lot more than twenty four ninety five. I think it's like fifty bucks for a TNA pay per view. No, are you serious? That's what I believe. I mean, I might be wrong. Fifty dollars for that pay per view? <laughs> hey, you know, you got to see uh, Eric Young versus Magnus to see if uh, Eric Young, uh, aka the light version of Daniel Bryant, who uh, I'm hoping when they do television this week, they don't do an angle where Eric Young, unfortunately, you know, loses a loved one. I mean, you know, all. Uh, all all sympathy going out to uh, Daniel Bryan and his family on the uh, recent passing of his father, but basically, you know, TNA is WWE light with Dixie Carter being Stephanie McMahon and Eric Young being The Beard, which she has international, you know, she believes she should uh, be given, you know, restitution basically for uh, coming up with the idea of a wrestler with a beard, but, you know, that's a whole different subject and we'll talk about that maybe another time. But uh, I want to say thank you for everyone who uh, checked out the podcast this week. And we will be back next week with uh, fresh new takes. And uh, who knows? Maybe they'll have another guest or two uh, to come our way. Or maybe they'll just have to listen to uh, us two schmucks the whole time. Uh, well, we are definitely schmucks. So uh, <laughs> for, uh, for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. And I want to say once again, thank you very much to Mike, to Mike Johnson from PW 
Insider.com, which you can go to their website and check out their great information and even join their PW Insider Elite, which is a great source for audio and wrestling information. So uh, we will be back next week. Jason, why don't you give us your catchy uh, phrase that you're always in the show with? Well, before I do that, I want to say, instead of taking your money and giving it to TNA, give it to Mike Johnson of PW Insider. The, you know, you're actually going to get something for your money. So instead of giving it to TNA, give it to Mike Johnson. See ya. What an emotional week it was last week, huh? Twelve hard-fought years, and look at you now. And we know that there is only one person responsible for this right here, right, guys? And that person is me. You know, Eric, I have always, you know I've always seen the potential in you, right? And, and, and what was it, like eight years ago when you were almost fired in the whole don't fire Eric, that movement started, right? Well, I allowed you to stay, remember? And, and also, also, this little thing, this little thing on your chinny-chin-chin here, I invented the beard. I am the one who made this fashionably cool to wear on TV long, long before anyone else did. And I am the one who should be receiving big, fat royalty checks from all of those people who are blatantly ripping me off with my intellectual property.